0: My timekeeper tells me that it is nine forty-five. Will you please close the doors? We had a, some interference from the doors yesterday, so if you would please close the doors, doesn't mean others can't come in. That's for sure. But and am I muffled or can you hear me? A little louder. <laughs> Some say that's good, some say a little louder. I'll do my best. Let's start this session with a serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change things I can, wisdom to know the difference. Hi, my name's Shoni, and I am a compulsive overeater from Nova Scotia. I've been abstinent for 25 years, and I'm maintaining a 60 to 65 pound weight loss. I'd like to read the guidelines first. Uh, the topic of this meeting is trigger foods and compulsive food behaviors. The session is being taped and will not be edited, please note, the session might be inv- available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious time. <laughs> I'm nervous and trying not to let on him. You may use a fictitious name. <laughs> oh, boy. You're doing great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just wait. We haven't even got rolling yet. <laughs> uh, this, this meeting might be available for, po- for online or for podcast feed, as I said. And if you want to remain anonymous, use a fictitious name. But if you've got an old road accent like me, it's kind of difficult. And Penny has volunteered to uh, to be the uh, timer. And my uh, co-leader here is Christine. Christine, I was wanting to say Catherine, so it's good job a lot. Yeah, good. Well, welcome, Christine. And everybody here is Everybody here is friendly and welcoming, Christine, so don't be alarmed. Um, As I said, I think I, uh, the trigger foods and compulsive food behaviors. And I'd like to say the third step prayer get myself out of the way. If you know it, please join. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. Well, it says to tell how long I have been in OA and where I'm from, and I already did that. And to tell a little bit about uh, my early, about my early recovery. They tell they tell us to share about five minutes on our on our story, and then getting into the topic. I was 48 by the time I came to OA. I had been on various diets all of my adult life. They all worked for a while. Then my periods of uh, control became shorter and shorter. I had a wardrobe that went from small size to extra large and into the double X's. And then when it got like that, I'd go to another one of the way in pay's. And all my life I had somebody to blame the eating on. Uh, Either it was how I was brought up, either I didn't have money, either it was because uh, my, who is now my ex-husband, was a practicing uh, alcoholic. I always had something to blame it on, blame it on, blame it on. Thought if I found somebody that truly loved me, I wouldn't be eating like this. Oh, I wouldn't be eating like that. And then that happened to me. After I had been divorced quite a while, I met a widower, and my gosh, he he actually loved me. And you know what? Then I ballooned bigger than ever. I just ballooned bigger than ever, and I didn't know what was the matter with me. Then I began to twig there might be something wrong with me. And when I came to OA, I still didn't know there was anything wrong with me that needed fixed except the weight. And, of course, all of this took place over time as as the weight came off and I got to know what I was supposed to be doing. My emotions became more raw and... I so on. So I'll start talking a little bit about what my trigger work foods were and what I did about them. Um, we're told to be really honest. You know, in, in the big book, How It Works says, this program demands rigorous honesty. And when I came 25 years ago, the old mantra was three meals a day with nothing in between and you ate whatever you want to eat at your meals. And I, look, at least my meals had a beginning and bless my soul, they had an ending too. And that was a biggie for me because instead of constant grazing, there were periods of time that I didn't eat then i began to get some clarity they talk about this eating history and i began to get some clarity when i would go to my home meeting we didn't know too much back back then oa was fairly new in, in nova scotia and we didn't have today's technology to To know things. And I would come, I would come to the meeting and I would say, I wonder why it is when I eat crackers, I want to eat the whole sleeve. Well, nobody could give me an answer. And there were quite a few foods like that. I had a hard job getting stopped from them. But I did. I got the meal shut off. But that was all by... I realize now, until I got into the steps, that first part was basically willpower and fear that held me there. Because once I get going, I didn't want to break it. And I was scared to death of a woman in, a, in our group, now deceased. Now I guess everybody's scared of me. I don't know. But... <laughs> Uh, It seems that way at times, anyway. Not really. (laughs) The, The food, the trigger foods, at first, I didn't know what they were. With me, honesty came with awareness. What are the trigger foods for me? And I think that's the difference between us and alcoholics. When alcoholics come, they know exactly what they got to give up. We might not know. But these pamphlets, um, these old pamphlets, A Plan of Eating and Dignity of Choice, they helped. They didn't have dignity of choice, of course, when I came, but they help and they see they say, to see a health care professional. But when you know everything like I did, you don't want to go to a health care <laughs> professional. God, I knew how to eat, what to eat, and everything else. The trouble was I could not apply it. And after a while, I became willing to go to a healthcare professional, and I told her what food I was having trouble with. And she said, isn't that funny, Joni? We call those the comfort foods. But to me, these foods, I call them my food alcohols. I don't call them trigger foods. I call them my food alcohols. And in the doctor's opinion, he says, these allergic types must never use alcohol in any form at all. That's in our big book there. I think Roman numeral 24. So I interpret that as what are my forms of alcohol? And these are mine and they might not necessarily be yours. Any mixture of fat and sugar. That's it for me. That is my equivalent of the first drink of the alcoholic. Also, volume is one. And with with that, and what I say here is not the opinion of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. It's just me. It's just my opinion and my experience. Once I became entirely abstinent. My life got a whole lot easier. Because before that, along the way, yes, I was abstinent, but with this awareness, this increasing awareness, like a change in a plan of eating is not necessarily... A break in abstinence, I became aware of more food alcohols as I went along. But bottom line was I had to look at the basic ingredients. And I think for most people, it's the whites or some combination thereof. It's the uh, the fat, the sugar, the white flour. And salt or any combination of those. But I mean, that may not, that might not even be halfway true for everybody. But that's a biggie is identifying the trigger foods and leaving them alone. It was for me. And it was quite a long process. Like in early recovery, there were foods that I could eat then that I cannot eat now. I have to stay away from them. And then with, with some things about my health, there are things that I do have to stay away from and not eat. Not that they set in the craving for more, but they create other problems. So I had to get what's my equivalent of the first drink of the alcoholic, what's my booze, and leave that alone. That's the physical part. Once I put that down, I feel like this microphone is... I'm not doing it right. Anyway, that's an aside. The, uh, once I put that food down, then that's where the steps come in to keep a person from going crazy. You know, that, that's it. Because as I put down the food my my emotions which I had never felt before just rose up and they had to be dealt with through the steps that's how that's how we grow but these um, once once the trigger foods are identified that's a biggie right there that's a hurdle because in earlier recovery, I kept trying to eat things that I cannot safely eat without setting in that craving for more. The list has become, let's say, more compact, truer for me, and I know what's safe for me to eat, and more importantly, I know what what is not safe for me to eat. And it's... Life just got easier with that. Life just got easier. So that's my my more or less food, uh, trigger foods or food alcohols. But what about the behaviors? What behaviors? Eating behaviors. First one I noticed was watching TV. And eating, I couldn't do that in early recovery. I love to sit, particularly with my supper, I guess some people call that dinner, but you know your evening meal. Uh, I, I love to sit and, and watch the news with my supper. I couldn't do it because my body had to know I had eaten. And that was, a, that was something I had to do away with for quite a while. Now, nowadays, yes, I do that. But I put, if I want to do that, I put all the food on the tray and sit with it. And, I'm, you know, it doesn't enter my head anymore. But my body has to know that, I'm, that I've eaten. And another thing is mindless eating. I don't do that. When when I'm eating, I'm eating. You know, I don't eat and read. I can't do that. That used to be something that I did all the time, was read and eat. I'd get lost in a novel, and I'd have a loaf of white bread beside me and sweetened peanut butter, and I'd just be going at her. And I'd just read and eat, read and eat, read and eat. I don't read and eat anymore. It's something that I still cannot do. And the other uh, eating behavior for me was in the car. I That to me, I can't do that unless it is an emergency and I have my food packed and I know exactly what I'm eating and it's very portable. And I can do that in rare circumstances. And if there are any of those rare circumstances that I have to eat in the car, I make sure that I have stuff ready at home, like all those my emergency rations. I get hard-boiled eggs or something that are ready to grab if there is an emergency. And other eating behaviors... Penny, I can't see you. I don't know when I'm going to be done. I got five minutes? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing for me, uh, too, about eating is at funerals. Now, I'm 73 years old. I go to more funerals than enough, probably. And around home, I live in a small country place. Either we're all related or we know everybody. And after a funeral, there's usually a reception. And they've got more food than a person could imagine. I found this very, very difficult in early recovery. Nowadays, I don't find it difficult at all because I just call somebody and I still do this as a safety measure. I can never take recovery for granted. I still do this before a social event, whether it's wedding, funeral, whatever. I either say what I am taking for my own food or I say I'm not eating at such and such an event. Because at those social events, whether it's family or at a funeral or wedding, emotions come. What did I used to do with emotions was to eat, and just in the beginning, I used to have to leave Historical Society because they always have big lunch at the Historical too. I I had to leave. I couldn't stand it. But today, those Step Ten promises are true in my life. You know, it doesn't even enter my head. I just stand around and talk to people. It never enters my head. And I am so grateful for this way of life. And uh, our next speaker is Christine.
1: Sorry, if I make noise, I have to put this down a bit. i shorter. Hi, I'm Christine. I'm a Grateful Recovering... Uh, Overeaters, Overeater from Montreal, Canada, and I'm very nervous and impressed uh, at this uh, size of a room. Um, This is my first convention, I think, in 30-odd years, so um, I think I'll make it a yearly event. I'm already very grateful at everything I heard. Uh, I joined the program 35 years ago uh, in Toronto. I was away from home, starting a new life, you know, in a new place where everything was going to be perfect. And it was just uh, very less than perfect because I just uh, reached the food drunk status where, um, actually, no, I think I did join that when I was in an OA. Anyway, my latest period of abstinence is um, I'd say around 23 years um, because it has been gradual and it's still evolving, especially around trigger foods. Um, so when I joined the program, I, it took me I would say a good five years before I actually became abstinent from sugar. Sugar, I'm a sugar, you know, I would qualify more specifically as a sugar addict and silhouette image uh, obsession. Um, So uh, I couldn't stop eating. I would throw my food away in the garbage, go back in the garbage, uh, put it away two streets away, go and... I don't think I pick it up, you know, because I had gone to a meeting that night and I thought maybe I should go see if my garbage is still there. And by the grace of God, I didn't do that. Um, And about the body image, you know, at one point I threw a mirror away and I felt like I was throwing myself away. It was really, uh, really heavy. So I don't want to, never want to go back there. And, um... Yeah, uh, it took me around five years before I uh, started an abstinence of sugar. And uh, somebody was on my path who has done, who had done the recovery, and he was telling me, uh, "You are uh, overnourished, um, overfed, but undernourished." Meaning, I was eating all kinds of non-nourishing foods. And uh, he told me it's going to take you approximately two years before your body feels actually settled. So I don't know if I programmed myself, but as I became abstinent, uh, at the end of two years, um, I stopped eating the uh, refined sugar. um, But I kept binging for a while, you know, I would still have... uh, two packs of of fig cookies uh, with no added sugar until one day I had the grace of hearing my head, life has more to offer to you than as a solution than that. And then I stopped binging <laughs> at that point. Uh, it was gradual uh, because, let's say I would not eat, um, well, sh- sugar, you know, uh, cookies and cakes and uh, like i i abide by why uh joni's saying like a combination of sugar and um, and fat um i would have these big huge jars of um raisins my it does a great job on your intestine your bowels and at one point you know i started sort of fogging out uh, sorry my for my French, sometimes my words might not be appropriate, but you know I disintoxicated, so I started becoming more aware of what was happening, and my body could not sustain that regime for a long time, so I quit that. you know I would switch chocolate for carob uh, little chips you know with palm oil does a nasty job on your stomach so eventually I stopped that and gradually you know I weaned myself off those uh, trigger foods and um, I've always been very um, and maybe it's my addiction or my rebelliousness to very strict food plan I really admire those people who come into the program and just become abstinent and they have a food plan right from day one it was not like that for me, and I realized you know I'm still care st- I really am still scared of being hungry so you know my plan is three meals and I have snacks and I'm also a very active uh, um, cyclist and I train a lot so I need i and I metabolize fast, so I need to eat regularly um, i my as my recovery evolved, um, my it was a combination of of stopping to eat like the huge trigger foods that brought forward my uh, an increased willingness not to uh, com- not to have a compulsive behavior with other foods. Like, um, I guess I have some of a, a bit of a hypoglycemic condition. And I'm saying that, this is my experience with sugar, but I was driving down from Montreal yesterday with uh, a member who's been in the program for three months, and we're totally different. Our foods, our trigger foods are totally different. Our metabolisms are totally different. Um we don't digest food the same. She's going to eat a little and she'll be full for like six hours. Me, after three, four hours, I have to eat something. I don't feel good, you know? I don't feel stable. So, um, so I realize how different we are and, um, deciding or, or getting at what our trigger foods are is very, um, intimate uh, individual. So um, I was fortunate to have somebody. I knew sugar was an issue for me, and I had somebody to help me with that every day for two years at least. Um, Over the time, um, I realized that even fruit can be something, and I'm still... I don't know if it's my unwillingness, but I'm still sometimes fighting like with grapes or corn or even oranges in the morning. You know, it's I I eat one and I want to have more. And I say, oh, come on, an orange, you know, am I going to have to put that away? Grapes. So, but as I say, as recovery is I'm continuing, I, I never left the program. I didn't come too much for uh, a couple of years because at the time, when uh, in you know, back in the 80s, I was um, when I joined the program, I guess I was about 35 pounds heavier than I am, and I've been maintaining that weight loss for 30 uh, you know, 25 years and more. Uh, 30, 35 years, you know, I was considered an anorexic at the time. And I was so ashamed of not being abstinent, uh, you know, for five years that I wouldn't talk much about myself. I would not reveal myself. So I might appear like I was not a real compulsive overeater or that I was not eating when I was eating a lot, you know. But I was, you know, combining eating and... uh, um, I was making cures, you know, like water, you know, all kinds of uh, fasting stuff. And so I, and I would do sports. So maybe I didn't gain a lot of weight. I also believe that our, I would say my eating pattern was very conditioned by my upbringing. So we didn't have second helpings. We had healthy foods. I started eating junk food when I left home. So, you know, it's very different when you grow up in an environment where you eat a certain amount of foods and then you have to, plan otherwise for the recovery so you know it's been evolving also the crackers at one point I realized I was eating you know as I went along I would consider myself abstinent in the way I knew it and then I became aware that when I started eating this kind of food I wanted more so for me you know every time with a food still now because it's evolving um, when I'm beginning I begin to notice that, oh, I'm looking forward to have that food again, or I want to have more. That might be an indication that this is a trigger food. So I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, is it because I become more aware or because this is a progressive disease and it keeps progressing? Um, so that's why I need to keep working my program and uh, to de- develop um, greater acceptance Um Something that was um, in my recovery, like uh, getting enough sleep was, I don't know, it was not an option. It was just, uh, (laughs) now I need to rest because when I'm tired, I want to eat more. Uh, About the behaviors, because I have five minutes left. um, Yes. Oh. Nine minutes, wow. Wow. Okay. I'm still, I still, thank you. I'm still going to get to the behaviors. Um, Also, eating uh, blindly. Uh, I opened a television. I would eat. At one point, I was robbed and my television was gone. And I did not, I did not buy a television for a long time. Um, And it really helped me. I don't... Uh, do I eat in front of the television? I don't think I do. Right now, what I'm noticing, um, I like to read, I don't... You know, I read in the, in the subway, and I read at breakfast. You know, for me, it's like... Whew, I really believe food for me is like a comfort. It's a blanket, and I calm down. And But that is becoming... I have started to think maybe I should try not reading when I'm eating. And I'm trying that and I find I want to become more and more aware. Now I listen to the radio. Um, I don't want to be just gone for a while. And I've started noticing I'm making the connection. Also something, uh, I don't know if I was doing it before, but you know, eating at the counter while I'm preparing my food. And I find that that happens when I get home or in the morning when I wake up. I'm hungry, and I can't wait till it's all in my bowl and I'm sitting down at the table. So uh, I found that uh, preparing my breakfast mix the previous night when i'm when i'm content with my my meal i don't do that so i need to plan ahead not to be too hungry this is why i have snacks you know at the end of the afternoon so i don't come home craving and just doing that and i, I also see that doing that is just keep me in this agitated mode of you know while i'm eating and preparing so um it's still difficult So uh, I'm being mindful of what's happening with my food. Five minutes now? Four? Six? Okay. Too much time. Um, So what else? Um, Back to trigger foods... um, It really definitely had a soothing effect. I remember having to look for an apartment. Like I was sharing an apartment with my sister and her boyfriend, and they were smoking, and they they were nervous also, and they were chain-smoking at that time. And I had my bag of cookies next to my bed when I was going to bed. And when I was getting up, like I had a stuffed animal. It was my cookie bag. That was... You know, that much of a comfort food was that much of a comfort for me. So, um, I meditate a lot, I breathe a lot, I pray a lot, um, and uh, I rely on my higher power, you know, to bring me clarity. And I'm just thinking about clarity. Um, this ex- uh, there's one exercise I do a lot, and I'm being led to do every time I have a decision to make. Any kind of decision, decision big or small, is the pros and cons exercise. You know, what are the pros? What are my expectations, my motivations, my fears, consequences? And I think I can do that with foods. You know, I have recovery plans and other fellowships, and that's how we work it. And I think it's something I can do with the foods, you know, should I continue eating this and that. Well, I'm just telling myself I that about the, the food I'm wondering if I should do or not. Um, about the the, the behavior, some people I know, at one point, they decided not to eat after dinner. Sometimes I don't know what to do with that because I'm active at night. Sometimes I do sports, I go out, la, 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 la. And uh, so I'm just, uh, that's me. I know it's not as uh, impressive, I say I would say, with other people that are just. But for me, it's often trial and error. I haven't uh, relapsed in all those years, you know, uh, sometimes uh, when I experiment or I am not yet willing to let go of somebody something that triggers me, somebody too. Uh, but some food that triggers me. Um, Something that really helped enhance my uh, my abstinence is I I was writing every day not my food plan but I had to rep- I was reporting okay today I tried this it did that you know being aware of the consequences that brings for me the willingness to ask my higher power to support me and just let go of that so um, that's how it is for me um, I was uh, Yesterday I took a long walk uh, along the the water and I went into this um, ferry thing and there were the vending machines, you know, in the back. And I thought, isn't that great, you know, I can just go by that and not even be tempted to look at what's in there and just even feeling. Those were all my, my trigger foods, not being triggered anymore by that. And go around in life to just live my life and not be triggered by all kinds of foods you know so um I think it 's all possible for me it's gradual, and I think it's still it's always perfectable because I am on a continued recovery, and um, I become always more willing to be aware and um of what triggers me as far as behaviors and foods. So that's all I have to say. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Christine. And now we have uh, three-minute pitches, and I'll just read this in case you're fairly new. This workshop will end at 10.45. We're now going to open the floor for three-minute pitches. Penny is the timer. Penny, you want to wave a little bit or something? She'll uh, signal you when you have one minute left. Now, if you'd like to share, uh, please come to the front of the room and form a, a line to the right. Here, my left. Sign the release before you speak. Step up to the microphone and introduce yourself. Now, this is important because some people forget to tell where they're from. And I don't know about everybody here, but I'm kind of nosy, and I like to know where everybody's from. Um, and tell where you're from and how long you've been in OA. Remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic, trigger foods and compulsive food behaviors. And the meeting is now open for sharing.
2: Oh wow! Lots of people here i'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out for coming up here and see what a beautiful group you look like. Uh, my name is Penny C. I'm recovered compulsive overeater, and I cured, um, and I'm from the south I'm from the south Shore of Boston, Boston also known as Red Sox Nation. Um, and um, for those of you if any of you were brave enough to stay up till three thirty this morning. <laughs> Um, I wasn't. <laughs> I fell I fell asleep. But um anyway, those are not sports fans or you're listening to this tape, the Red Sox are now in the midst of the World Series and that's a biggie for us in New England and Canada too. I I was up in Halifax not long ago and they were talking about the Red Sox in Halifax. So my story is that um I've been a member for thirty one and a half years in my second week uh, here, I became abstinent, um, and it wasn't. It wasn't. After it was after a long period of um, struggling with all the other diets and programs. I was a fat kid, and um, finally, I got to one of those weight loss programs where you you pay and stay. I think Joni called it, and um, I became a lecturer and um, stood up there in front of all these people and said, I know I'll never be fat again. Wrong. Wrong. So one of the slogans I heard when I first came in was, more will be revealed. And so I entered OA. One of the things that I had to recover from was the idea that there are free foods. You know, remember free foods. There's no food, or food or eating behavior that's free for me. And so I found myself one morning before OA, and after leaving, um, not not being a lecturer anymore and putting all the weight back and more, I found myself one morning with two heads of lettuce and a whole big jar of French's mustard because they were free. And within an hour, I ate two iceberg lettuces dipped in mustard, and I was sick. And I realized that um, when I got into OA that I can't be trusted with any, anything that is going to seem free. And so, wrap it up. I was in the Relay for Life. I'm a breast cancer survivor. And after the walking around, um, they had food and uh, it was time for me to eat and I was feeling like my body needed it and so they had hot dogs so I took the hot dog without the bun because I don't eat flour, sugar and, um, and I dipped it in, in a mustard and I wanted more and more and more so more will be revealed. One of my binge foods, one of the things I can't have and haven't had for 15 or 16 years is mustard. Who would know? Thank you. <laughs>
3: Hi, my name is Anandi. I am from Waldloo, Ontario, Canada. I've been coming to OA for about six and a half years. <laughs> all right, so I wasn't intending to share, but Higher Power says I must share, so I'm going to share. Um, my experience with trigger foods. Um, um, when I was, before I started coming into OA, and I think at the height of my disease, I was like binging on a daily basis. Um, I work in an office, and my office was stocked with all of my, my binge foods. Um, and in particular, um, I would say, like, let's say seafood, um, shrimp, crabs, crustaceans, it's, that, is, that was a big thing for me. So it started off with it being a distraction. It uh, progressed to these foods being my friends, and then it got, like, really bad that this, this was my lover now. <laughs> right? And uh, anyway, so things were happening in my life, and this is before I started coming to OA, And I was still in somewhat of a haze, but I was still seeking God. I was still seeking a purpose for my life. And I went to, what was I doing? I was just doing a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation. I made some decisions to cut some unhealthy relationships. And I think as I moved towards higher power, which I just called, at that point, that was God, not higher power. But I was moving closer to God, and God was moving closer to me. And in, uh, this was 2012, I think, yeah, July of 2012, my children have their birthdays in July, so we went for uh, a dinner, and I picked the most seafoody dish that I could find. It was like every seafood in existence was in this thing. And I started eating, and I started itching, started itching here, and then my tongue started swelling. And I said, oh, this is Interesting. And um, so they said, Mom, stop, Mom, stop. She's like, please stop eating, Mom. And I, and I did, because it was just too painful at that point. And I did go to see the doctor, and I had testing done, and it wasn't full-blown anaphylactic um, allergies, but it was um, a, a very high sensitivity to these foods. And I thought, okay, so that was July. And somewhere between July and the long weekend in Canada, um, which is the beginning of August, I stumbled upon a website, and it said, you have food addictions, Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you. And um, at that point, in those two or three weeks that I just had cut that trigger food out of my life, I was able to find an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And when I started going, um, the haze was lifting. It was, you know, I just was not in the food. You know, Higher Power gave me that gift of a food sensitivity. And I I just want to say I'm... Sometimes these things happen and you think oh it's the end it's not it was actually the beginning
4: of my new life
3: thank you, thank
4: you. hello my name is isabelle i'm a over eater and a food addict i'm from uh, central massachusetts but i'm originally from france uh, i came in away in 2004 and i uh, have several sponsors who, um, I don't want to bash them, but uh, they told me to eat what they eat, and I had to do what they were doing. And um, so I was, so I ate what they ate, and I kept relapsing and relapsing and relapsing, until four years ago, uh, I uh, was introduced to a vision for you, and if some people know, it's a way. on the phone, and um, I chose a sponsor, and she told me to go make a list of my trigger food. And um, I was like, wow, this is different. I don't have to eat what she eats. And she said, you have to so make this list, and then you call me back, and you tell me what your list is. And then we will figure out what the main ingredients are uh, between those... uh, those foods those trigger foods so i told her and she said okay you cannot eat the fat Uh, fat for me it was fat flour and sugar and um and she said your plan of eating is going to be different than mine i was like wow and she said you are going we are going to talk about food now but we are never going to talk about food anymore we are going to focus on the steps and i said, this is what i needed." exactly what i needed because all my sponsors before were all focusing on food and i always thought that food was a problem and food is not a problem food is my soul it was my solution it was my solution i went to food because i had some some too much emotion in me that i needed to to ease so so it was like a a reveal for me to when she said that and it was the uh, beginning of my recovery and it was uh, so I if you have a sponsor who tells you to eat what they eat, please <laughs> run away from them <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had one who uh, I said to her I think I need to stop eating cheese because when I eat cheese I want to eat more and more and more and she said no I eat cheese, you have to eat cheese and it's so wrong. So, um, anyway, so I'm so glad that uh, I'm here today and thank you. thank you.
5: Thank you. Hi, OA fam. I'm Sam. I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, Sam. Hi. I knew I had to share because my hands immediately started sweating in the beginning. So, and everywhere else is sweating in case you wanted to know. Um, <laughs> I am from uh, Bristol, Rhode Island. I've been in the program, it's going to be two years in February, and I've been abstinent since the um, July of, or June of two, year, two years ago. Um, but what I wanted to share was the first time after I was abstinent that I got my first um, food craving, it was, it was like almost guilt by feeling. I thought I broke my abstinence immediately because I wanted those foods out of nowhere, and I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and being honest and why is this happening to me. And I really thought that I was relapsing because I wanted something. But what I've learned, and I don't know if anybody else has taken so many notes, my carpal tunnel is going to be screaming on the way home here. But a, a, my disease is really sneaky, and my disease has a way of making me feel guilty. You know, I can eat a meal, and I can enjoy my foods that are clean. Also, I wanted to define what my abstinence is because I used to define it in specific foods But my abstinence, and I heard it in a podcast and it really helped my recovery, is I don't do diets, I don't do damage control, and I don't do deadlines. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm abstinent. And I used to think that it was specific foods. And I have trigger foods and I have food behaviors that I don't partake in because it leads me down a really dark path. And I would feel guilty if I was eating things that other people weren't eating. But I heard it perfect today, intimate and individual plan you know if i can eat something that other people cannot eat there's nothing wrong with me and if i can't eat something that everybody else can there's nothing wrong with me and that's a wonderful thing in program is that you can't do it wrong the only thing that you can do wrong is by not doing it at all and not being honest and lying and thank you very much um and i just wanted to also say that um I'm I'm just so grateful to this program that I can be open and honest and that if I'm quiet and I really pray to my higher power, it doesn't take me very long to know if I'm doing something wrong or screwy or if I have to call my um, sponsor and tell her, like, I need help. There's nothing wrong with needing help, and I thought that there used to be something wrong with me when really there's a disease that's at work, and it's, it's really clever. So thanks all for being here. Hi,
6: I'm Erin, compulsive
5: overeater and bulimic.
6: Hi, Hi I'm uh, from Manhattan, New York, and I have been in program for five. I'm almost six years. I've been abstinent five and a half years. And um, trigger foods. What came up for me is a, a wonderful reminder of something that happened um, with my disease a few years before I came into program. I don't know if any of you saw this silly movie. Um, obscene movie, Sausage Party, but it um, is—it's a cartoon, and the food, all of the food talks, and so for me, um, the food used to talk to me, full conversations from the fridge, full conversations back and forth, um, arguments really, and so uh, I was doing a before program, I was doing a nationally known uh, weight loss program, and um, doing my best to white knuckle through and not eat the things that were high in points. And, uh, I went, I remember going to the grocery store before I got the suggestion of staying just on the perimeter of the grocery store where things that, um, are suited for me more likely are. Um, and so, for me, I used to up and down each aisle. I didn't want to miss a single thing, up and down every single aisle, um, just in case there was a sale, but really I wasn't looking at that. So um, I, I found myself in the middle of the grocery store really not wanting to eat these foods, these foods that would call to me the foods that would be in the fridge or in the cupboard that I would argue with regularly. I really didn't want them. And I found myself real, starting to cry, Wanting to go into a fetal position because all the food felt, it felt like it was yelling at me. And, uh, I'm not going to forget that. And, um, I remember just running out of the grocery store to my car and just crying about it and calling my mom and she doesn't get it, you know? And, um, thank you. In that, and that was my, that's my constant reminder that trigger foods are dangerous for me, really dangerous. And so if I think I can mess around, um, I know that this program's life or death. And um, that was just a little bit of a reminder that, um, that what the edge looks like for me, it looks really scary. At my uh, office, there's every single kind of trigger food hanging around for free. And um, it's kind of, they're now in troughs on the wall like this. And when I walk by, I say, nope. And just I yell it out. (laughs) So it helps me because, and who cares what people think? I yell it out. I say no every time I walk by, which has to be like probably 25 times a day. And um, before, I I would just see these things and um, just know that that was not mine, but it was really sometimes it would pull to me on hard days. The reality is, is underneath there's a bunch of uh, fruit, like fresh fruit. So, there's an option. If I plan for it, there's an option. And sometimes I don't always see the option. Thanks.
7: Hi, my name is Debbie. I'm a compulsive overeater and a sugar addict from Maranick, New York. Um, I came back to 08, it'll be five years, November 17th. And I gave up sugar um, in December of 17. Um, I am a sugar alcoholic, um, food talks to me. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was a child, I can remember the cookie jar calling me and telling me the Oreos were lonely, you know, and I had to eat them all. Um, one of the things that I have found is that the, um, for me, when the food does start talking to me, um, I have to really listen because it's going to trigger me and it, it becomes compulsive. I, I start my compulsive behavior. When I first gave up sugar, I never thought, never considered myself to be one of these salty, um, you know, fat, fat flavoring people. I was always the sugar, the cream, the you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, where I work is a, at a hospital, and I would go to a meeting afterwards, and I didn't have dinner, so I would go buy little chicken wings. They were great, fifty cents each, you know, and I would eat them on my way to the meeting, throwing the bones out of the window of the car along ninety-five. <laughs> like this is okay, you know, you know, this is this is very eloquent. In any event, it got to the point where, like, as soon as I would ch- cr- cross over the, do- the threshold at work, I'd want them, you know. And I'm like, wow, I never liked things like this so much, you know. And like others have said, it evolves. It, uh, it really does evolve. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 like I said, was a drunk. I, I would drive on 95, and if a piece of candy fell and rolled to the corner of the passenger side of the car, I would be down there grabbing it because i had i had to have it and i had to have it then and if that's not compulsive and if that's not drunk i i I don't know what is but like i said the um when when something talks to me and says you know you got to have this i I know now that i have to i really have to wake up and say i can't i can't eat that anymore and it's not and it's doable It, it really is doable um i i can't question it anymore And um, I thank you all.
0: We would have room for one more share if somebody would like to come up. Well, we got two. Two short ones then.
8: I'll be short. I'm Eileen, compulsive overeater from Berkshire County, Massachusetts. And I got to tell you, that buffet triggers me. That buffet we had this morning is a huge issue for me. I, that buffet <laughs> triggered... Ah, that triggered me. That buffet triggered me. Um, you know, I didn't plan this weekend. I'm coming to an OA convention. I looked at the menu. There are going to be things I can eat. I'm going to be okay. I know what's on my plan. I got there. It was busy. Everybody's mulling around. You know, things are thrown out. And it, I had a rough morning. And... um you know, higher power took care of me. We had a little problem with our room last night, so we got a free voucher for breakfast. So I took my little voucher, and I went, and I sat down, and I ordered an abstinent meal. I had two fellows, what well, either of them here, that we ended up having great fellowships. So look for me at lunch and breakfast tomorrow and walk me through that buffet because I need help. I, I, a buffet is triggering to me. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you.
9: Hi, I'm Karen, a compulsive overeater from Braintree, Massachusetts, and now I live up here in Maine, Scarborough. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say something. I um, have been in OA since July. I've been abstinent for only two months and two weeks. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Very hard. Um, But I did want to share one thing. Um, I... My thing is sugar is baked goods and sugar. Um, so I, what really scared me was that um, I can eat a whole box of cereal at once. Cereal is a huge sugar food. Um, and what was happening was I would eat pretty much a box of cereal, and my heart would start racing. And I was like, "What the hell is going on?" So, and I used to just you know eat until I would kind of throw up, and then wait, and then. Eat some more when that feeling went away. So I'd be propped up on a bunch of pillows at home in bed, couldn't go to sleep because I was going to throw up. But with the cereal, my heart started racing and I started going, This is ridiculous. I'm going to give myself a heart attack. And I'm going to tell them in the hospital that I ate a box of cereal. Like, how embarrassing. You know what I mean? So I got to the point where I was like, This is serious like I didn't know that right from all these years but that was the the point so I just wanted to let you guys know that it got to that point of scary I'm gonna hurt myself you know really bad um and that's what that's what made me really say I got to do something and and that's that fear actually helps me to stay abstinent so thank you.
0: I'd like to thank everybody for sharing and also like to thank our timer. And for everybody that came, thank you very much for coming. And just grab somebody's hand beside you if you're comfortable with that, and we'll close with this serenity prayer.